And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. We have a Stanley Cup champion in 2020. Hard to believe, I know. It looked like the pandemic would prevent that conclusion, but it happened. And uh, Tampa Bay is finally winners. So now the question is, can they repeat? How soon until the Dallas Stars return to the Stanley Cup Finals? Will they return with this core intact? Lots to debate and discuss. Meantime, the next season, we don't know what it's going to look like, but we will know shortly who is getting drafted, and we will try to predict who is going where, at least in the top 10. And speaking of predictions, where could the big-name free agents land? We'll debate and discuss that as well. Episode 239 of the Lace Em Up Podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And uh, today, helping us break everything down, we have a special guest. Uh, Victor, introduce yourself and uh, tell everyone uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods. What are you up to? Hey, everybody. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm Victor Nuno, and I've been writing over at the Hockey Writers. I cover mainly the Sharks, uh, but I also write about the Kings. I followed the Stars during their playoff run, which I thought would be much shorter than it was. Uh, I also kind of help out with the prospects, the draft uh, profiles, making some lists of uh, underrated, top 10, things like that. And I also do a podcast with a friend of mine uh, covering mainly fantasy hockey and especially Dynasty League. So, uh, And I'm in a couple leagues with Brett, so that's kind of how I, yeah. I know podcast and um just just as a sense fan i would like to mention two things first of all thanks for josh norris and uh <laughs> second of all if you happen to see eric carlson walking around the streets of san jose tell him we miss him in ottawa even though he probably knows that <laughs> <We'll do. laughs> um yeah it, i was about to say it, it's, it's definitely interesting that we have um like uh I have we have Victor here who we're talking about prospects because I'm in three leagues with Victor right now, one of which we co-own. Um, mm-hmm. But we uh, like we're gonna be doing like a prospect draft pretty soon in all three of those leagues in the coming months. So um, it's kind of like we're kind of uh, showing our hand, so to speak. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, like You're I know, just yeah. that no one in your prospect league is listening to any of what we're about. Well, today. yeah, true, but <laughs> uh, well, the the podcast that Victor does um, for the fantasy hockey podcast, that's yeah. uh, another. That's the commissioner of one of my le- of our leagues together. Ah. So, um, it's uh, it is funny <laughs> though. So I, I I think that's just the danger of having a hockey podcast out is people in your league are going to be listening. Um, so, yeah. yeah, well, if my advice comes back to haunt you guys, I apologize in advance. Well, it's more about, like, who we like and who... Well, yeah, <laughs> and also that, too. Like, that, that's that's the, the danger there, but I, I don't think it'll be too bad. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, anyways, um, so, yeah, we're gonna, we have a lot to cover here. Um, and, yeah, so we're going to start off with... Um, so we have the... the we're going to do a Stanley Cup recap... Um, and then we'll do the NHL draft, which is going to take most of our time. And then we're just going to do a quick little free agency preview, um, as well, but it, it won't take a ton of our time. So, so yeah, we have three things on the docket and I think we'll just get going right now. 
Um, so, so the first question, well, first off, the Lightning won the Stanley Cup. It was well-deserved. They've been, like, the best team in the last two years. I know they they weren't as good this past year as they were in the, you know, the year before that, but I think it was something, like, that they just, they just learned from their uh, failures from being swept by the Blue Jackets um, in, 2019, in 2019, and then in 2020, they've just started to realize like you know what we're we're better than this and they uh they picked it up it kind of reminded me of the washington capitals where like for years they were the best regular season team by a long shot and then during the playoffs they just sputter but um Mm -hmm. but nowadays when you look at the playoffs it's like they like wire to wire they were the best team so uh so my question here is can the lightning repeat um, let's start with Steve first for this, this question. Well, see, that's, that's the difficult part because I think part of the, the debate is how are they going to look after the off season is done? And for that, we don't know. Um, that they, they, I think there are going to be two of maybe four players that are probably going to be on different teams. And that number, uh, that number of players is four. Uh, Yanni Gord, Alex Kalorn, Tyler Johnson, and Andre Pallad. I think at least two of that f- list of four will be on different teams. Um, Kalorn put up very good numbers this year. Um, he put up top six numbers. Um, pretty decent contract that I think teams would be willing to take on. But Tampa needs money to keep Anthony Sorelli, who is... Um, who is good enough to get some Selkie votes. That's pretty impressive. And I think his offensive upside, there's um, still a lot that he hasn't achieved that he is going to achieve in the next couple of years. They need to keep keep him around. And if they think Mikhail Sergachev is a part of the plan, they need money to keep him around as well because you have Hedman locked up, Stamkos locked up, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, McDonough for the foreseeable future. That's your core, basically. Yep. And every everyone else you got to try and, and keep intact. And you have role players like Patrick Maroon, Barkley Goudreau, and Blake Coleman. If you're trying to keep some of those guys intact, as well as guys like Braden Coburn, Zach Bogosian, and Luke Shin on the back end, who um, did their job. They did yep. a very good job in the playoffs, and I think they need to keep some of those guys around. So that's why I think, in the grand scheme of things, someone like Pilat, who had a big playoffs, could be gone. Uh, guys like Kaloran that had a big regular season could be gone. Tyler Johnson's contract has got a bit of term, around like $5 million per, and his numbers have kind of regressed the past couple of years. And he's a playoff performer, but I, I think over the past couple of years, he's become a bit expendable. And um, and that's that's another thing. I think Yanni Gord still has some pop, but uh, his contract um, might become a small liability for Tampa. And if they can move him, maybe they do that. Um, so that's that's why I list those four players as guys that could be on the move. But I think in terms of the key role players they have on the back end that really delivered, I think they'd be wise to keep them around. Um, because in terms of teams in contention, that could probably give them a run for their money in the long term. Two teams in the East, for me, would be the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Those are the teams that are going to be nipping at Tampa's heels. Toronto, until they get defense, um, I don't see them being much of a threat to Tampa. 
Boston, I think time is ticking on their side in terms of some of their core pieces. And it's the same with Pittsburgh and Washington too. So I think in terms of regular contenders, it'll be the Hurricanes and the Rangers that Tampa's really going to have to look out for. So I definitely think there is a chance for them to repeat. I would say it's 60% likely that they could. Um, it all depends on ultimately what the other teams decide to do, how the um, free agency market shapes things, how the trading market shapes things, and ultimately how much Tampa has lost heading into the next year because they still have some good prospects like Gabriel Fortier, um, Alex Boulay, who's really delivered in the AHL the past couple of years. Um, on the back end, they have Callum Foote as well, yep. who they think will probably be ready in the next year or so. Um, but their window to win is now in terms of the guys they have now, the prospects coming up. This is a team that's built to win presently, and they need to take advantage of that window, and probably the best chance to take advantage is win another title right away. Yep, that's that's a good way, although that's easier said than done. Yeah, um, <laughs> history has proven it's harder than yeah. it actually looks. Victor, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I really I, I agree with Steve. Those are uh, three of the four guys that I think are definitely. Um, I, I, but I agree, all four of those are liabilities to potentially get moved. They all have pretty sizable contracts, and they performed well on the playoffs. But it's gonna they they need to sign their three most important RFAs in my mind, uh, which are Sergachev, Sorelli, and Chernak. Uh, and I think that all three of those should be high priorities, and that they want them back. But I think they're gonna have to be creative to get all three of them back. Uh, especially considering that Chernak is a pretty easy offer sheet in terms of what his salary might command. And so he, I would guess, would be the, the least likely to return, but I'm sure they want all three of them. Right. I don't think there's any way they give up Sorelli. I think he's just, uh, yeah. I, I've made my case that he's going to be a future selfie winner. I think yeah. he's that good. Uh, Sergachev, I think, is good, but I don't think that they would bend over backwards to give him a giant contract. Um, yeah. But they, they definitely have those four big con – I never understood the Gord contract to begin with. I thought it was a huge overpay, and it's – it's uh, like, he was good. It's not that he's a bad player, but it's just a lot of money, $5.16 million for four, five more years for a guy who is probably going to start to you know, turn the corner in terms of his peak. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. Um, and I, I think they have a couple of decent prospects, but yeah, I agree with Steve. The time is now. I, I love what they did in terms of, you know, going all in. And, you know, the best part about those two deals to get Coleman and Goodrow is that they have one more year at a really great captain. So yep. those those were really outstanding gets. So I like their window. The, the likelihood is that they won't repeat just because it's so hard, but they certainly have all the pieces to do it. Uh, and I think that they didn't face the best the West has to offer, quite honestly. As much as I love Dallas, I think a healthy Colorado uh, or uh, Vegas, when they can actually score goals, um, mm -hmm. would yeah. probably give them a bigger run for their money. So it'll definitely be tough the second time. But uh, I'm glad they did it. Kudos for them. And, yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see what happens in the offseason. That's going to really tell a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree that Sorelli, Sergachev, and Chernak are all the like the guys that they should focus on keeping around, um, because I yeah like everything that's already been said about those guys I, I agree with and I think Chernak's like he may not score a ton but he definitely had like is the defensive defenseman that um, helps with 
you know, being a sustainably good team. Um, I will say, though, that, like, they definitely earned this cup, obviously. Um, however, I wonder it, what would have happened if there were fans during the playoffs, because especially yeah. during that, like, Blue Jackets five overtime game, I wonder, like, if, if like, I, I think that I, I remember Cooper saying um, in an interview that, like, he was saying how um, that was crucial to to their success in the playoffs because once they 100%. won, yeah, once they won that game, they decided they felt that um, it was um, like okay, we can actually do this, and we got our stra- uh, swagger back, kind of thing. Um, and and they did. They you know they beat the the Bruins, they beat um, the Islanders, and then they beat the Stars pretty handedly. Um, and, uh, yeah, ever since they were just on another level from every other team. Um, and so, so yeah, I wonder if like the fans, if there is fans in the stands, uh, hopefully by next playoffs, but who knows? Um, I wonder if that's going to have an effect also like the whole, like, yeah, they were in a bubble and that's, um, that's tough in its own right, but there is something to like also like traveling to another fan place like to another stadium and all that stuff so mm-hmm. psychologically i wonder if it it could get to their heads but um but yeah just like talent and like on paper yeah they're they're definitely ready to repeat but yeah they have to focus on um signing those three in particular also Shattenkirk and maroon are also ufas um they were actually low-key pretty good um, so I, I wonder if, if they get signed as well. Um, and, may, and maybe they do and it would help them out. Um, yeah, I think in terms of like bargain deals, they would be willing to take that for another year yeah. of, of potentially winning the Stanley cup. And yeah. I think part of the reason why I think Tampa could do it again is the amount of adversity they faced, like 13 of their 22 games were decided by a single goal and they went 10 and three in those games they went six and two in overtime as well. And in each series, they faced an overtime game that went past the first overtime. And they went two and two in those games as well. So now, seeing them go through that once, I definitely think that adds their psyche of, we can do this again, 100%. Yep. So um, I think that'll help them as, um, out as well, heading into next year. Right, right. Okay, so now we go on to the Dallas Stars. Um, they... They were, you know, we talked about, uh, I think we, throughout this whole playoffs, we talked about how Tyler Sagan was injured, except, like, and we kind of figured he was injured even, like, during the Colorado series because he wasn't even scoring and all that stuff, but turns out that he had, like, he was suffering, like, a groin injury, a hip injury, uh, ankle injury, um, yeah, he, like a wrist injury, like he, he basically a cyborg. Basically, yeah, he was a uh, he was a um, hospital patient or whatever, um, and um, yeah, I I think that I mean it is a big pet peeve of mine of playing injured, but I think I, when I was talking to Victor and Steve uh, throughout this week, they both mentioned that like they probably the stars wouldn't have gone as far even with an injured Tyler Sagan. Um, however, I would argue that I think like there comes a point when you're like hurting your team in the long run, because now like, you know, you're risking even further injury and he may never be the same again. 
uh, just because he's playing injured. But at the same time, it's like he did have a couple of assists um, during the Stanley Cup Finals, so he kind of picked it up there, um, and he was still contributing to the team, so maybe um, that is something. Um, and, like, you know, it's also like, you know, Tyler Sagan means more to the Stars than Stamkos means to the Lightning almost. Uh, just because, like, you know, Stamkos yep. only played one game during those playoffs, and um, the, the Lightning were just fine without him. So, yep. um, so yeah, I guess there is something to that. Um, anyways, let's go to, for this question here, uh, Victor, will the Stars be back to the Stanley Cup Finals with this core again? I mean, I feel like the answer is always the most likely answer is no, because it's so hard to get there. So many things had to go right for them. And they just had a a magical run with Bonus, who everybody bought into and by all accounts is a great players coach. They had so many great storylines. And, you know, between some of their veterans who really turned it up, like Jamie Benn and Pavelski and Corey Perry, remembered how to play hockey. So... It was, uh, it was a pretty magical run for them, so I think it's unlikely. But on the other hand, I think they have some really nice pieces, like Dorianov, who kind of came out a little bit and will be more mature. Heiskanen, who is uh, just amazing and, and is building his uh, Norris resume. And then they have three really good prospects that I'm surprised didn't get any playing time or much playing time. And Thomas Harley, Delandria, and, and uh, Jason Robertson. The older Robertson to Nick, and uh, those three are, are pretty pretty good, and they're pretty close to ready. Uh, they almost could have played and contributed, but you know, give them another year, and you know, maybe they could really help with some of that scoring depth uh, that they didn't uh, have so much this season. So, I think it's possible. I think the question is, will Dob Dobie be back? And uh, you know, he certainly earned himself a big contract, so. You know, Bishop is still a good goalie, I think, when he's not injured, which is seems like never these days. Um, but he's pretty good when he isn't injured. And, and Jake Ottinger is a pretty solid uh, young goaltender, too. So I think they still have some good pieces. But I think the likelihood of them getting past Colorado and Vegas uh, again seems a little unlikely unless they have another Cinderella postseason. Yeah, I can see that. It seemed like a lot of stuff had to go right. Um even though I was fully on the Stars bandwagon and was, like, arguing for them hard uh, during the Colorado series, um, they did end up, like, they did go to Game 7 with when Colorado was on their third backup and stuff like that, and Vegas just looked tired and all that stuff. So I don't think that's going to happen again, uh, but we'll see. Uh, Steve, uh, do you have anything more to add? Well, first of all, um, that Colorado team they beat, they had a 3-1 to one series lead against, and they almost lost that series. Yep. Like, they were one away. Um, so a lot of things had to go right for the Dallas Stars. Let's remember, first of all, that the Dallas Stars um, really struggled at various points in the regular season. This is a team that, to start the year, went 1-7-1 and one with zero regulation wins. That was with... Jim Montgomery as head coach, who was uh, later dismissed, and Rick Bonus became the intern. Later in the season, with Rick Bonus at the helm, they go 1-7-2, zero regulation wins again. That was between the end of the regular season and the start of the bubble playoffs. Relatively the same roster. And that team made it to the finals. Yeah. 
I think it was a case. Dallas is a good team. Don't get me wrong, but it was a case where when they get hot and everything's clicking and everything's going right, this team can do some damage. And what went right for them was Joe Pavelski. He had 13 goals and six assists in the postseason. He was Joe Pavelski in his prime. Yeah. Jamie Benn stepped up his play with eight goals and 19 points in 27 games. Now, Pavelski is 36 years old. Ben is 31 years old, so he's still got some prime years left. But his performance, Jamie Ben's performance, has dipped over the past couple of seasons. So the question that I have is, is Jamie Ben 2020 similar to Bobby Ryan in 2017 when he had that great playoff run and then his numbers dip after that? Or is Jamie Ben really, truly back? Tough to say at this point. Until we see more hockey, it's it's tough to determine. You also have Alex Radulov, who had 18 points in 27 games. He had a tendency to be a streaky player. There were times this year where he was a healthy scratch. And like you said, Sagan was injured, but he's in the middle of his prime right now. So how yep. many more quality years are you going to get out of Tyler Sagan? There were some good news uh, stories for the Dallas Stars during this run. For example, Joel Kivy-Branton who came out of nowhere, scored five goals, eliminated the avalanche, only played in 14 games, but got five goals and one assist in those 14 games. And all of that came in big moments, which is great. Um, Can he continue to improve next year? We'll see. Maybe he gets more playing time there. Uh, Four points in 27 games for Jason Dickinson. He needs to continue to evolve his game, and uh, his numbers need to continuously improve because I would have liked to see more in the playoffs from him. Dennis Gurianov had a 20-goal season, threat on the power play, and in the playoffs, he had nine goals and 17 points. Um, I kind of wonder if he's more of like a one-dimensional player when it comes to his goal scoring because um, the Hockey Night broadcast uh, picked up on his theme of scoring from the office. You know Ovechkin has that patented part of the ice that he likes to score a lot of his goals, and because he has a good shot, goalies still have a hard time stopping it. But in the case of Denis Guryanov, it's from the right face-off circle, give him the puck, bang, back of the net. And yeah. there were times where he would burn teams with that patented play, and it worked. Um, so can he score goals in many other ways besides that? And can he continue to improve his game? That's going to be the other thing. So guys like Rupe Hintz, guys like Denis Gurianov, they need to continue to be the future and the present for the Dallas Stars in order for them to potentially make a run. I really love Muir Heisken, and that's great to see. John Klingberg was delivering in big moments for the Stars as well. So I really like what their defense did. Uh, Jimmy Alexiak really stepped it up. Essa Lindell was pretty good for them as well. So their defense is looking great. Yep. Their goaltending is the question mark as you have a young guy like Jake Gettinger. You have veterans like Bishop and Hudobin that are both playing well. But there's going to be like at least a third of the league that's going to be looking into Anton Hudobin. I don't know if the Stars can match what those teams are offering. And even if they can't, this guy is 34 years old playing the best hockey of his life. Can he do it again? I really don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if he'll be a good starter for sure, but, I mean, I think I think teams will definitely start looking at him as a potential starter 
um, kind of like last year with Bennington maybe. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that potential. Um, yeah, yeah, just to reiterate what you guys have said, I think, uh, I would imagine Kadobin's probably gone. I don't know. Cause I think just during this playoffs, he's proved that he deserves a shot at being a starter. Um, yeah. Pavelski and Perry are both getting there with age. Uh, Perry's a UFA, but they were like both the two best players on Dallas throughout this whole playoff. So uh, that's something to, to think, consider when, when, um, when it's time this time around. Um, and not to mention as, as Steve has, that uh, like Jamie Benz, 31 years old and Tiger, Tyler, Tiger Sagan is uh, 28. Um, and, um, so like they're, they're only getting, um, older, um, I guess you can say that about literally everyone, but, um, in particular about like their prime, it's, um, it's certainly relevant. So I'm not, and then, uh, to Victor's point, there is Jason Robinson, uh, Thomas Harley's in the system. And I think they have another guy. Oh, Edinger, um, Ty Delandria might be good as well as, you know, Gary Yanoff, um, and Miro Heiskanen's pretty young too. Uh, so I think, we're, like, they do have a young core, but uh, they had to rely on, like, Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, Radulov at some points, and the, all those guys are in the mid-30s. Uh, so I'm not sure if you can truthfully rely on them. Um, and then the whole goalie situation's going to be interesting because Bishop's, uh, he's really good when he's healthy, and that's the problem because he's not always healthy. Anton Kudobin's a UFA. Um, and we don't really know what's going to happen with Jake Edinger, all intents and purposes. It, it looks like he might be good, but it, it's tough to really say at this point. So we'll see. Um, and You also have to keep in mind that they're in the toughest division in hockey, and Winnipeg's probably going to be improving, and Colorado's going to be there. And then yeah. when Seattle joins the league, one of those teams in the Pacific is probably going to move to the Central, so now it's going to be an eight-division uh, yep. Central Division. Yep. Or an eight-team Central Division, rather. So it gets even tougher for them. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that's a good point, too. And then lastly, you know, they have a good thing going with John Klingberg, Miro Heiskanen, and Essel Lindell. Uh, that's a good defensive core right there for, for the future. And they're all pretty young, too, so uh, we'll see how that goes on. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Brad, um, Brad yeah. do you mind if I jump back in real quick? Of course. So uh, I'm pretty sure Arizona is the one going to the Central, So, but that's a good point. Um, and then, yeah, there's a couple of things. I just, since I covered the Stars on their run, I, I dug into them a lot, so I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Sure. Um, I, okay. I definitely think that Udovin is pricing himself out of a lot of teams' uh, uh, price range, but also... I think he was definitely a factor of how good they protected him. Like, I think he played well, but I don't think he played so well above his expected. And I think if, 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 if I were him, I would think, you know, why would I leave? This is a great situation. Right. And, and is someone really going to make him the starter? I just I just don't know about that. Um, to your point, Steve, about Guriana, he definitely has his office on the opposite side of where Ovechkin is. But he's also a very fast goal scorer that can score in transition but I think the biggest problem with Garyanov is not really him it's the fact that the stars only gave him under 13 minutes of ice per night that's a good point and yeah that's gross he was actually third on the team in expected goals per 60 
third behind Ben and Radulov, ahead of Pavelski mm-hmm. and Sagan and all those other guys, Klingberg. So, you know, he just needs more ice time. Give him more ice and he will he will show all the things he can do. Uh, and I know that Stars fans were just tearing their hair out about not him not getting more ice time. Um, I definitely agree with what you said about Ben. I think he's the perfect candidate to get fewer games. Like, you know, I know they do this in the NBA, but, you know, he plays well. Like, you saw what happened after he had three, four months off, and then he was a different player in the bubble. But having to do what he does for 82-plus games, I just don't think he can do that anymore. So if he could play fewer games and kind of just, you know, really bring it when he needs to, like, I think he can still be that kind of an impact player, but not for a whole 82 um, and then I think the, the, the what they call the FCC line, the Faxa, Cagliano, and Como, actually is a pretty underrated part of that team. And one of the things the start had until the final was they didn't have any major injuries. Other, I mean, you could argue Bishop, but Hudogan played so well, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, but they didn't really have major injuries until that last series, and actually just before that. But uh, those three guys were all injured at one point, and they were huge. I mean, that, that line controlled shot share amongst the 10 best in the entire playoff. And, and weren't they big on penalty killing as well? Yeah, they're, they're, they play in all situations, but when you can get that from your third line, uh, I mean, they were up there not too far behind the, the dominant lightning line of, of Palat, Kucherov, and, and uh, Point. So, you know, that's that's pretty impressive to be able to get that. And when they when they finally went down, you could see they could not control the shot here. And it isn't always the stars about number of shots, but quality of shots. They actually give up a decent amount of shots, but it's usually not the high danger caliber. And I think that's a formula that really works for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, those, those are all very good points. It's, it's gl- I'm glad that we have uh, you here because we're not, both me and Steve aren't really advanced stats guys. So it's, it's nice to have those advanced stats in our, in our podcast. So that's a nice change of pace here. Um, okay. And then lastly, before we get into the draft, uh, Hedman won the Conn Smythe. Um, I think there's about, uh, you know, Hedman was a good choice. He, I think he set the record for most points by a defenseman in a, in a playoffs or something like that. Um, but uh, Point uh, was also really good. He had 33, and 20, 33 points in 23 games, um, which I think he had the most points per game of that team. Um, and then you have uh, Kucherov, who led the team in points um, with 34 points in those 25 games. And then you have um, Andre Vasilevsky, who was um, even more impressive because he was the only goalie who played um, uh, every game for them. And uh, he, he had a 1.9 GAA and a save percentage of 927. Sure, it wasn't like Kudobin's or it wasn't like uh, uh, Lamov or anything like that, but um, he was still pretty impressive uh, throughout this entire playoffs. Um, and a big reason why the, the Lightning never, well, they only had one game seven. So, so yeah, um, I think there's something to that. But um, was Victor Hedman the right choice, guys? Um, let's go with uh, uh, Steve. Um, there's no question that Victor Hedman, um, was a rock on the back end. I mean, um, he scored, I think, six goals at five on five. Um, at one point in the Stanley Cup finals or, or in the playoffs, he had six goals at five on five. 
And I think um, in the early stages of the finals, um, Tampa Bay gave up six goals at five on five while he was on the ice. So basically he scored six goals, five on five by himself. And the other team only scored like combined six goals while he, while he was on the ice. Like his offense versus the other team's offense combined. Like that's, that's pretty decent. Um, just overall, the amount of shot attempts that he, that he generated in the first 19 games, he had 148. He had 10 goals and 9-6 in that stretch, um, averaged nearly 28 minutes per game. Um, the Lightning out, outscored the opposition 24-6 at 5-on-5 with him on the ice. So just an absolute beast. Brain Point would have been my choice, though. I yep. mean, that point, Kucherov at the plot line was lethal at 5-on-5 in a two-game stretch. I think they... At a 30 to 6 advantage in total shot attempts in terms of high danger attempts, 10 to 1, and three goals, four compared to zero against. Um, so they, they were lethal in, in that regard. Just overall in the playoffs, he had 30 points in 20 games if you discount, if you take away the, um, the bubble games that they played in the round robin. Uh, in five on five situations, 20 of those points uh, came in five on five situations. He had five goals in six games in the finals, held pointless just three times. And just every time he was on the ice, everyone on the other team was just like, uh-oh. Right. Can't, can't let this guy get free. Um, so either player would have been deserving. And, like, the, the voting was very close. I believe Hedman had 70 points um, and Point had 66. So, yeah, like, the closest a race, couple right? of votes here and there is all that separated the winners. So... Um, I would have given it to either guy, but point probably gets the edge in my book. Cool, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really close. I think it was the closest race, Conn Smythe race, since they've been doing that. Yeah. Um, Victor, do you want to add to that? Yeah, well, I thought I was going to come in here and add a, a different take, but I have to agree with Steve. I, I think <laughs> it should have been point. I, I don't think that uh, Hedman was a, was a bad choice, certainly. I mean, he did have, uh, the, he had the most goals, uh, third most goals of any defenseman in playoff history. That was his achievement, which is great. He also had 22 points, which is nothing to sneeze at. That puts him 11. Yep. Uh, Heiskanen actually had four more points, but he played two more games. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I made my case that if the Stars had won, uh, it should have been him. But, you know, they didn't. And, but I think to Steve's point, when you look at, um, one thing I like to look at is expected goals rate, which is your expected goals per 64 and against. Because if you're getting scored on uh, more than you're scoring, it doesn't really matter how many times your line is scoring, you're a liability out there. Uh, that Palat, Sorelli, and Kucherov line was just absolutely insane. They, they completely dominated their opponents. And you saw it when you watched the eye test, too. I mean, it, it was clear they were the best line on the ice in the bubble. And they, they had an 82% expected goals percent, which is just insane. Like, a good line would be in the 60s. Uh, and so they were just so dominant. So to me, it has to be someone from that line. And then you look at the players on that line, and I think we can all agree it shouldn't have been Palat, even though he scored some timely goals. Like, I just don't think he did enough to really drive that line. So it's between Point and Kucherov for me. And Kucherov, yeah, he's great. He does a lot of decent things. But he also had a fair amount of giveaways you know, 3.3 per 60, which is not, not great. Um, and he had a decent number of, of points, but Braden Point did have more points per 60 than than uh, Kucherov at 4.32. And his individual expected goals was higher. So all of those things, to me, indicate that he drove that line. 
and that line was so dominated, it has to go to someone from that line or go, it should have been Braden Point. And on top of that, he missed some games, and the games that he missed, Tampa looked like a different team, yeah. and they looked better with Braden Point in the lineup than without. Yeah, I don't think you could go wrong with any of the four ones. I probably also would have gone with Point as well, but um, Hedman's not a bad choice either. Um, all right, let's go to <laughs> the moment we've all been waiting for here, the NHL draft. Um, and it's why we have Victor on, because uh, I think originally we just wanted him to help us with the draft because we're not as knowledgeable, even though we had that whole prospect thing a couple of months ago. But let's uh, <laughs> we, we can still have you on here because uh, you're also as knowledgeable as us. So um, congratulations, Victor. Um the let's uh so we're gonna do the top 10 in the draft and, and a couple more predictions afterwards uh but we're gonna go pick by pick um in the top 10 um so uh, who do the rangers select or who do you have the rangers selecting at number one victor well, i think they're gonna go lafreniere i have made my case that it should be byfield but i don't think that's what the rangers are going to do clearly lafreniere is the best player right now he's an elite play driving scoring winger hmm. that's ready to step into the league and produce now. Uh, but uh, so just just a little preview. I think Quinn Byfield five years from now is going to be the better player in terms of impact on his team. Uh, he's just not there yet. He's also almost a full year younger than Lafreniere. Yeah. So there's a lot to talk about there. But I think the Rangers uh, step up there and they just uh, hit the softball out of the park and take off. Yeah, I, I, that may be true, and in a weird way, the Rangers do need a, you know, a center more than they need a left winger, but at mm-hmm. the same time, um, like, you know, Lafreniere ha- has been the best uh, player in the CHL for the past two years, so that's someone that you don't want to miss uh, when you have the first overall pick. So, uh, Steve, uh, w- I assume you agree as well? Well, um, you see, they have this guy named Capococco playing on the right side. You put him on the line with potentially, uh, I don't know, Mika Sabanjad and Artemi Panarin. That's a solid uh, number one line. And then you have Lafreniere on the left side. So you have him on the second line while Panarin's on another line. Right. And then you have Krasov also, who is a right winger. Yep. If he continues to develop as well, you've got a deadly top six in the making right there. Yep. A top six filled with young talent. And Alexis Lafreniere is typically the guy they would overpay in free agency. True. They can actually draft a guy like that and sign him to an entry-level contract. I think you can't pass on Lafreniere. You take him and you run. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, they do need to find a se- second-line center somewhere, but... I think it's New York. It's probably the most popular free agency place to go. So I don't think they'll have any trouble finding one um, when it happens. But yes, Lafreniere is my pick. Uh, let's go to the Kings here. Um, Steve, do you want to do the Kings? Uh, sure. So this is an interesting scenario because the Kings on the left wing. Their NHL options at last check were Nikolai Perhorkin, Alex Iafalo, Adrian Kempe, and Trevor Moore. Yep. Pretty decent, not bad, but not great. They have some pretty good winger prospects. They have Arthur Kaliev in the mix, Rasmus Kapari, Samuel Fagama, 
Um, Aiden Judas, Carl Grundstrom, Tim Stutzla would make that left side better. Down the middle, though, they could also use a bit of an upgrade because they have Blake Lazat, um, Mike Amadio, and Gabe Velarde, who's got potential. Um, they have an aging Anze Kopitar leading that pack. But in terms of prospects who take faceoffs, there's Alex Turcott, there's Tyler Madden, there's Akil Thomas. That's a pretty good top three. And I think down the road, they would look pretty good in Kings uniforms and they could deliver some serious offense as well. So Quinton Byfield is a tempting draft choice because you add his name to all those players and they're looking very solid down the middle, but you don't need all of those centers. So it would not surprise me if Tim Stutzler goes in overall and goes to the Kings. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like that's more hope than uh, than actually what's going to happen. Cause Why? He, Who has the third pick? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure. Uh, Victor. Uh, it, would, I would be fine if the Sense took Stutzla too, let's be honest. I'd be fine with either pick. But I think the Kings go for help on the wing, okay. considering the depth they have down the middle, and that's why I think they take right. Stutzla. I'm just saying, I think, I mean, I'm a homer for the Bruins. I, I would <laughs> yeah, be saying the same yeah, thing yeah. if, if yeah, the Bruins shut up, out there. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't give away the secrets, Brett. <laughs> uh, Victor, uh, who's your number two? Well, I, I think that, as I said, Quinn Byfield should be number one, so he's obviously my yep. number two. I think that yeah. there's no question that uh, the Kings have some decent centers, but I don't think that should blind you from the fact that Quinn Byfield would be automatically their number one best prospect center. Yep. And I think that he has that first line upside where I feel like they have they have a bunch of guys that are probably like could be first line centers or slash second line. So uh, you know, he would absolutely be their, their number, uh, you know, shoot to the top. And, you know, I know that it's like, oh, we, you know, you have a lot of centers, but, you know, centers can play wing just fine, but that isn't always necessarily true in reverse. So if you have a bunch of wingers, uh, you need you need some centers uh, to kind of step in there. And, you know, just, you know, one thing, I don't know how familiar your listeners are with the hockey prospecting model, which I, I love to look at, which compares their NHL equivalency and one thing particular about these two, as I mentioned, they're almost 11 months apart. So Byfield is close to being eligible for the 21 draft. And if you look at his equivalency this season versus Lafreniere's uh, equivalency last season, which some would argue is a more half comparable, Byfield blows them out of the water. So that is, a, I know that that's, you know, maybe cherry picking some data and, and using age, but the age curves really do predict pretty well in terms of younger players oh, and have more upside. And so that's that's a reason, you know, to, to, to maybe go with that here. Of course, as a Kings fan, I would love, Steve, for them to pass on Byfield and take Stutzla and let him go to to Ottawa where I can cheer for him and not worry about him beating up on Sharks. Yeah. That's... Yeah, or or playing or playing for my team, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, I wouldn't bother me at all. I think I think that Byfield would be amazing in Ottawa. He's going to be amazing anywhere, but I think it would it would fit nicely. And I just don't think the Kings. I, I think watching the Kings draft, they've been really smart and they've taken the best player available almost every time they chose someone. And I just don't see how they pass up 
a byfield here, but yeah. you know, maybe they will. And yeah. to your point about uh, centers turning into wingers, uh, Jonathan Druin, case in point, it's not always easy to make that transition to centers. So yep. you're you're right about that. They could go and take the best player available, but I I think I think the Kings can't go wrong with either Stessler or Byfield. One of the two yeah. they'll take. I think uh, in this draft in particular, I think Lafreniere and Byfield are the only like surefire prospects that you have to take um one and two and so like i i can understand i can see your point steve and we even talked about this when the kings did get the number two pick is like maybe they don't take byfield because they're you know they did take turcott last year uh they had velarde in 2017 uh they just made a trade to get tyler madden so they're pretty good they're pretty set on centers because at least two of those guys are going to uh pan out um if you you know because they're all pretty good centers right now um but um at the same time it's like it's really hard to pass up on Quinn Byfield um he's basically a power forward who also uh is a center um and that's uh that's that's pretty good um so um yeah I I have Quinn Byfield going here um I, I, I did this order all wrong because I have auto <laughs> I've been doing reverse order from from pick to pick but I realized that if I do it now um, Steve won't get to choose his team first so I'm <laughs> nah, it's okay I don't I don't care we can right. we can go we fine, can go fine. with this order I'm fine with it fine so Victor what what does Ottawa pick um, here don't disappoint me Victor yeah <laughs> well I can tell you why think they should pick but i think they're going to take stutzla and i think that okay. I, I don't think that's going to be bad i think that stutzla is a, a great player really speedy you know good shot um maybe has a, a few you know flaws in his game but in general he's he's you know pretty complete package i i agree with you brett i do not think he's at the same level of uh byfield i think that those top two are in a class of their own i think this enters a new tier but I also don't think it's a bad tier at all, and I think that Ottawa's going to get a great, a great forward, and a guy who could, who could definitely play. He has played center. He did play wing in the DEL, uh, and so you know they actually kind of seems like they need some wingers. Um, but uh, as I've said over and over, you can't have too many centers. They can always slide over. So uh, I think that they'll, they'll be happy with that. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, we'll see. Um, Steve, so now who is your? pick at number three for the Senators? So obviously, um, because if Quentin Byfield's available, they'll take Quentin Byfield, and if he's not, I think they'll, they'd be wise to take Tesla, um, but in my scenario, they'll probably take Byfield third overall. Uh, should be a nice addition, as you said. Someone um, that can create offense with his frame, not someone that you find very often, and you match up his big size with a guy like Brady Kachuk, who has already um started to get a little bit of a reputation as being a pain in the butt to play against um i definitely think um they would be bigger a little bit meaner um with byfield and his size and the upside seems promising when i hear the word power forward and i'm just thinking mila and lucic i'm just thinking man those guys don't age well like 10 or 12 years down the road so that's why i'm a bit nervous with byfield um, but you know, for for the short term, uh, for the immediate um, success, I I think he's he's worth the um, 
the benefit of the doubt, and I would be happy with either Byfield or Stutzla. But yeah. in my draft, I would go with Byfield. I mean, at this point, the Senators would take anyone. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing because they need to improve everywhere. So <laughs> I really don't care who they take. As 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 Pierre Dorian said, take the best player available. Yep. Like he's a big fan of that mantra, and if anything, I just hope they don't draft Askarov. Yep, that's, that's <laughs> definitely possible. That's the only guy I'd probably be just like, ah, not a good pick, Chief. Yeah. Um, like so, actually, my pick for the Senators is actually going to surprise you guys. I'm thinking. Let me guess. You're going to pick Drysdale. No, no. Um, I'm going to say the Senators are going to pick Marco Rossi. Um, Ooh, I think. Uh, I do think that they're. Well, this is assuming that Byfield is already picked. Um, <laughs> I. I, it, was, it was a toss-up between Stutzel and uh, Rossi for me, but, or sorry, Stutzel, I keep on mispronouncing it. Um, but I think uh, Marco Rossi has proven that he's, you know, he, like, was the best OHL player um, in the league. Um, and, I mean, I guess there is, like, comments on his size, and uh, that's definitely possible that, he you know, guys who are 5'9 don't, like there's still that like sizeism bias there. However, um, I think there is something to the fact that he played on the Ottawa 67s, um, and you could make a good case that um, the Ottawa Senators need centers more than they need left wingers. Um, and so I th- I think Marco Rossi's gonna go there, but uh, obviously I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, Stutzel um, either. Because uh, Stutzel could also play center if need be, but um, I just figured that, like, just from a positional standpoint, it makes sense as well. Um, but who, who knows? Because um, Stutzel could play um, center or left wing as well. So now we go to Detroit. Uh, who do you have uh, Detroit taking Steve? Yaroslav Askarov. <laughs> wow. Hear me out on this. Um, we all know Steve Eisenman is not afraid to m- make bold draft day decisions. Uh, Moritz Sider wasn't seen by many as a top 10 pick in 2019, and yet Eisenman took him six overall last year. I took a look at their prospects between the pipes, and nothing really stood out to me. They don't have a goalie of the future right now. Uh, Jonathan Bernier and insert goalie here is what they have to go with for 2020-21 and the reason I say that is because it's likely Jimmy Howard's not coming back um beyond that what do the Red Wings have in terms of the future and the present they don't really have anyone a long-term solution and goal is someone that they need they're nothing without that and I don't know if it's true that Yaroslav Askarov is the most hyped goalie since Gary Price it's definitely a risk drafting a goalie in the top 10 nowadays but they need a goalie in the long term that can win them hockey games. And they have a lot of young forwards. They have a lot of young defenders with promise. And it would be really, really tough to pass on this guy. But if the Red Wings think that they could get some of that in a different draft, I think it might be worth taking a chance on Yaroslav Askarov. So simply because it's Steve Eiserman and he's got a plan, it wouldn't surprise me if they went for the big fish and took Askarov this early. But um, it, it, it might be a different story if they had 
more first round picks to work with. Um, but I think you take the best player available. And I think for them, the best player available, the guy they need most down the road is a goaltender. And Askarov is that guy. So, okay. Good choice. Yeah, interesting choice. It, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting choice. Well, That's yeah, it's, only one word to describe. It's it. interesting because whenever I've been talking to you about Askarov, I thought you were going to say that, like, you know, Askarov shouldn't be on a, a top 10 thing. So now it's just, like, shocking that you even picked Askarov. Hey, yeah. So. I, I think if out of the teams that would probably in the top 10 take a chance on Askarov, Detroit yeah. is the most likely. Yep. No, so that's, that's why I went with him at fourth. Got it. Okay. Uh, Victor, who's your choice for Detroit? My choice, uh, what I think they'll do, I don't necessarily disagree with um, with Steve, but I, I, I do think that the cider pick was locked in before Iserman really had much of a say, So, I, I, although he also has shown that he does what he wants to do and doesn't really care what other people think. So yeah. It worked in Tampa, right? Yeah, It worked in Tampa. And also, great. to be fair, the cider pick was pretty good it turned out to be pretty good yeah Yeah, it looks like he's gonna be pretty good so yeah uh yeah i think that what they're gonna do is go lucas raymond and i personally have lucas raymond third on my board so i uh would love i would think it would be great if ottawa took him as well at three but i think detroit is gonna be smart especially because they don't raymond is really young so some of his numbers don't do him justice because he was playing in the shl which is like by NHL equivalency, like the third best league in the world. And as a 17 year old, he didn't turn 18 until March 28th. He, he was great. He played like a third line role, but he's a complete package. He can skate, make plays, got a great shot. He reminds me of Elias Patterson 2.0. And that is something that you would jump all over if you could in hindsight. Yeah. So I think, I think they'd be, they'd do well to take him at four. Um, and, if he slides any more than that, whoever gets Raymond is getting an absolute steal in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know how much I love EP, so I'll, <laughs> that'll be great. Um, I'll I'll take uh, I, I, and then I have Detroit taking Stutzel, um, and I I, co- I I copy everything that Victor and Steve just said about about him. I, I think he, he'll be pretty good, and I think Detroit just needs forwards and stuff. So. Um, they do need help on defense, and they do need help on goalies, and I can see your reasoning for all that. But I think uh, since Stetzel's available, I'm going to take him. Um, okay, now we go to Ottawa's second pick in the top ten. Um, who do you have, uh, Victor? I have Ottawa taking Marco Rossi at five. Okay. I think that uh, he would be great. I know that there are concerns about the size, but I personally don't buy it. I think that when you watch him play, he doesn't play like he's 5'9". He engages physically. People cannot knock him off the puck. His thighs are built like tractors. I mean, they're just huge. So he, not only that, but like his his points uh, upside is just huge. And in terms of like that hockey prospecting model, he actually has the highest star potential. Star potential is something he uses as a 0.7 points per game career. Uh, mark, which is pretty great. Uh, he has the highest of this draft, higher than Lafreniere, Byfield, uh, anyone. So that's pretty fantastic. He also has the highest NHL probability. And some might argue with that because of his size. But I just think that uh, he has the grit, he has the tenacity to not get pushed around and the determination to be one of the best players. So 
I think that uh, Ottawa is not going to pass him by just because of the upside. And uh, in terms of like the risk, although he's a smaller guy, I think you know part of the reason I put him here is because they have three first round picks, so they can be a little bit more um, you know shooting for upside as opposed to just taking safe picks, uh, which I, I don't uh, I don't think they need to necessarily because they'll probably get at least two really great players and, and hopefully three. Yeah. That's that's not bad. As you know, I'm I'm high on him as well. Uh, Steve, what do you have for the the Sanders? Well, I didn't pick uh, Marco Rossi third overall because I'm hoping he's around when Ottawa picks fifth. And if he is, they better take him. Yeah. Um, I think his offensive skill level are about as good as a lot of names in the top ten. But the other thing that impresses me about Marco Rossi is his compete level. Someone who takes pride in his 2-8 game, dictates the compete level in practice. Only been in the OHL for two seasons, but his play has quickly evolved into that of a veteran OHLer, a guy that plays with no fear. Like Victor said, does not play like his size, plays big, plays hard. And you look at the Ottawa Senators who lost a lot of veteran leadership and character in Mark Borowiecki. They need character. And they need character from the young guys. And if you have a guy like Marco Rossi dictating the pace in practice and being that kind of a guy that gets the team fired up, um, the only thing I'm worried about is whether or not his results at the junior level will translate into NHL success. Because we have seen with a lot of OHL scoring champions, uh, doesn't necessarily guarantee NHL success. But I'm hoping this year is going to be different. They, as you mentioned, um, plays in Ottawa with the OHL 67s. So I would think if anyone knows what Marco Rossi brings to the table, it's the NHL team that plays like 20 or 25 minutes away from TD Place. So um, I would hope the Suns have done their homework. They know what Marco Rossi is capable of, and they're going to take him fifth overall because he's a guy that I think they need to have. Um, For the Senators, I have them taking Lucas Raymond. Um, okay. and that's, well, remember, I already have them taking Marco Rossi. Right, um, so, yeah. so, um, that's still pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, it's still pretty good. And I think it's also like the, just the best player available at this point. Cause like they have two picks in the top five, which is uh, pretty crazy. Um, and I think it's, it's also like, you know, if, if those two guys pick whoever it is, it may not be Rossi or Raymond, but it could be whoever like those guys could be like a part of their core forever of course if they um they pan out and it kind of makes everything that the Sens have done in the last two years worth it um so um i like victor says i think uh he's you know the shl is very very hard because you're playing with a bunch of um professional players but even still he had like uh 10 points in 33 games there um, and that's that's not a like um, that's not like a slouch thing to do. Um, I've been or from what I've been reading, he's he's like a more of a playmaker winger. So he's kind of like your um, not your prototypical winger because he doesn't shoot a ton, I guess, but he can if you want him to. So um, I don't know. I I'm kind of looking forward to 
a Marco Rossi led line with Lucas Raymond on the side, um, and maybe you have Brady Kachuk or uh, Drake Batherson as the other winger, um, and that would be a, a pretty nice line for for years to come for them. Um, okay, uh, then we do uh, the sixth overall pick here, which goes to Anaheim. So, Steve, who do you have? Well, the Ducks already have guys like Cam Fowler, uh, Hampus Lindholm, and Josh Manson as pretty good defenders. Uh, Josh Mahura and Brendan Gooley uh, have potential as well. Their back end is lacking besides that, and I think Jamie Drysdale would improve that. Um, and the reason I say they're going to take Drysdale is because they have a lot of promising forwards in the pipeline. Guys like Sam Steele, Maxime Comtois, Troy Terry, Braden Tracy, Benoit Olivier Grew, Trevor Zegras, who they just drafted last year. Um, a guy that could be a serviceable player for them in Sonny Milano as well. Uh, you have core guys like Ricard Raquel, Jacob Silverberg that have more to give. Um, and then, of course, their goaltending is pretty set with John Gibson. So I think they need a bit of help on their back end. And um, I think uh, Drysdale is going to be a good player for them. So I would say Drysdale. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not a bad pick there. Um, Victor, who do you have? I actually also had Drysdale. Oh. Uh, I, I totally agree with Steve. I think that it's it's crazy. Remember when Anaheim had too many great defensemen and then yep. they gave yep. away Shane with Theodore for nothing? Uh, <laughs> and then he terrorized the playoffs. Like I, So it's kind of sad that Anaheim is in this boat now where they need great defensemen again. Um but, yeah, I agree with you. They have some decent forwards. I don't think any of those forwards are elite except for Zegers, but um, they have, I mean, prospects. Um, they yep. they don't really have any great defensemen prospects, and their current core is, you know, okay, aside from uh, Fowler and Lindholm, who aren't great um, offensively as much as we'd like Fowler to be. So I think Drysdale really fills that void, and he can, he can be pretty good offensively. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't actually think he's the best defenseman in this draft class, but I do think that Anaheim <laughs> will take him because he has the most offensive upside. I don't think that's necessarily questionable, but uh, I think it's a solid pick. Um, uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think there are also some decent forwards, but I think they go deep. Yeah, that's... Um, I, I, I don't have Anaheim picking Drysdale, uh, although I do have him in my top ten. Um, I have Anaheim going with Alexander Holes and a lot for the same reason why I had Lucas Raymond going fifth. Um, I think uh, Holes, you know, he also played in the SHL and he also did pretty well as well in that league. And he's more of a goal scorer. Um, and like uh, from from what I've seen out of Zegris, who's their other guy, he's more of like a playmaker center. So I think that could be a, a nice factor. But... Uh, like you guys mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if they go Drysdale um, just because they do need some prospects in, uh, for their defensemen, um, and they might be okay on the forward part. But I, I just um, I think they could go with holes, and it wouldn't surprise me there. Um, all right, let's go to the next team here, which is the New Jersey Devils. Um, okay, uh, Victor, it's your turn. Yeah, I think this is the biggest wild card in the draft. Not necessarily the Devils, but they are another team with three first-round picks. So I think they are one like Ottawa that has some flexibility. 
And I think the, the biggest wild card, though, is where Askarov is going to go. And I put him here uh, yeah. at New Jersey. I know that they have Mackenzie Blackwood, and he's pretty good, but he's not amazing. And I think if they pick Askarov, who by all counts is amazing, and I, I definitely think he is, he can marinate a little bit longer. There's no need to rush him. And then he can come in and I think, in my opinion, supplant Blackwood, and Blackwood would be a great 1B they already have a bunch of decent forwards and a, and, a, and a couple of decent defensive prospects. So while sure they could benefit from more of those, I think that they're the team that um, takes Eskar off and, and uh, you know, takes a, a decent uh, defenseman uh, for forward with their other picks. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad choice there. Um, Steve, who do you have? I think this could be a good landing spot for Cole Perfetti. Um, I know they have Heischer as their top guy taking faceoffs, and Jack Hughes is a left winger at the moment, but can also play center. Perfetti can move over to the wing and dominate if he doesn't work out down the middle with the Devils. The fact of the matter is the Devils need offense. This guy can set up goals. This guy can score goals. He's got a great shot. Um, at the national level with Team Canada, he's had some big moments as well, shows up for big games. Um, as a rookie with the Saginaw Spirit, did very well, similar to Marco Rossi. Year two in the OHL, he was even better. I think he was second in overall points in the OHL. Rossi was the only guy that had more than uh, Perfetti. And his season started off a little bit slow, but he quickly picked up the pace. In the second half, he was dominant. Um, they need guys that deliver quality offense. Perfetti can do that. I think he'd be a great fit for the Devils. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. And, and Victor was right with uh, the Devils are probably the true wild card because they kind of need help yep. with, in all positions. And that's why I'm going with Jamie Drysdale for the Devils. Um, when I was looking at their system, yeah, they have Ty Smith and Riley Walsh, but um, the, none of those really stand out to me. And I feel like Jamie Drysdale would um, help their decor in the long run for them. Um, and just from an offensive standpoint, he's the best offensive defenseman um, in the point um, in the draft. So I think uh, they go with Drysdale here um, at seven. Um, all right, let's go to Buffalo. Uh, Steve. Speaking of interesting draft picks, <laughs> this um, we have seen the Sabers take offensive defensemen in the top ten. Um, we see him do it first overall in Rasmus Dallin a couple of years ago. Uh, we've seen them select a bunch of talented forwards in the top 10. In fact, this is their eighth top 10 pick since 2013, wow. and they have taken three players eighth overall in an NHL draft in that spin. They have taken Rasmus Ristolainen eighth overall. They've taken Casey Middlestad eighth overall, and they have taken the now current member of the Chicago Blackhawks, Alex Nylander, eighth overall. With this pick, and I'm pretty sure this is Victor's best defenseman in HL draft, they would be wise to take Jake Sanderson. This is a guy that can shut people down. They need shutdown defense more than anything. They will not take the next step without it. He has got to be a member of the Buffalo Sabres. Interesting. <laughs> Victor, is that... I, I, I think you're going to eventually say your best defenseman in the draft, but uh, who do you have for Buffalo taking? Yeah, well, I mean, Steve obviously knows. Yeah, Sanderson is my 
top pick for the best Good overall. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 the reason I don't have him yet, uh, and he's actually not even coming for a couple more picks, is I, I think other, I, I don't think the teams are just widely regarded as high as he should be. So I think he's going to fall a little bit more than Drysdale. And just to the New Jersey point, the reason uh, Brett White, I don't think New Jersey will take Drysdale is that. They already have basically that player enticement. He's he's offensive. Yeah. Yeah, that's his a good defense point. isn't as good, uh, and so I think if New Jersey was going to take a defenseman, they should take Sanderson because that would complement what they need better than Drysdale. Uh, but anyways, I don't want. They also that. have Kevin Ball, who can just hit like a freight train. Yeah, right. that's, that's that's a good point. That's a very good too. Um, but so anyways, back to Buffalo. I I love it. I think that that would really. I think Sanderson would really help them. But since I haven't picked Holtz yet, I'm going to have Holtz in Buffalo. And, yeah, he's the best goal scorer in this draft. He has an amazing shot. He can score from everywhere, not just uh, not just his off wing. Um, and he's the, the um, he has the third most points in the SHL for an under-18 player behind two guys you've probably heard of, Marcus Naslin and Peter Forsberg. So he's well, pretty good. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think him wherever he goes is going to be great. But lining up to next to an elite centerman like Jack Eichel would just be amazing. Yeah, Whereas I think Brett, you said uh, Anaheim with Zegras, uh, that would be amazing too. So anywhere he goes, if he has a great distributor, um, although I guess maybe in some ways Zegras might be better because he is more of a setup man and Eichel yep. is more of a goal scoring center. So yeah. At any rate, having a dual threat like Alexander Holtz would be amazing for Buffalo. So I think that's where they would go because they already have a few pretty good defensemen. Yeah, I would support that pick as well, for sure. Yeah, uh, that's not a bad pick. Uh, here's where I have Yaroslav Halak. Um, Halak. <laughs> Yaroslav Askarov uh, going. I know, that the, I know that Buffalo has Ugo Pekka Lukunin, so I know that's not going to... That's definitely a factor in it, and, and they have some belief in it. But at the same time, when I was looking at his stats, UPL stats before, like he kind of struggled in uh, Rochester um, the past year. I know it was 10 games, and he did okay in the ECHL. And I think like a team like Buffalo, they, they've struggled with a goaltender for um, so long since uh, Hasek yep. left. And um, you can never well, be... since Miller left as yeah. well. And, and Yeah, that's another one. That's an that's a even more recent guy. Um, and so I think, like, you can never be too careful. And, um, you know, it, it, I think you just have to go with Askarov because it's, it's a big need for Buffalo. Um, although, at the same time, I feel like every positional need is a big need for them. So um, I think they'll, they'll take Askarov if he's available. Um, there, uh, but you guys I made it. They could yeah. even take Drysdale uh, if they're going to look to trade Riskalainen as yeah, well. Yeah. But you guys made good points about Askarov in Detroit or in uh, New Jersey, so um, he may already be picked uh, because yeah. of that. So, all right, Minnesota. Um, I believe that's uh, Victor. Yeah. 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 All right, so, uh, yeah, I think the Wild are another team that need everything, right? They have a whole yeah. lot of positional needs. Um, but I think, according to my rankings anyway, the, the guy, if they don't take Sanderson, which I've made my case, I think many teams before this should, but uh, I think they go with Gold Perfetti. Uh, I think that he's, uh, as, as Steve mentioned, he just has 
probably one of the highest hockey IQs in this draft class. So smart, sees the play, reads it well, uh, and, and can just problem solve in, in any situation. He doesn't have, he's not the fastest, he's not the best shot, but it's just a, that ability to, you know, figure out where, where the puck needs to go, where he needs to be, how to make his teammates better. And I think that that's, that he's going to be a great player. So getting him at nine, getting another franchise center, I think is going to be great for them. And, and someone's got to be feeding Kaprizov and Fiala goals for the next decade. So yeah. hopefully it'll be perfect. Yeah, I could see that. Um... Steve, who do you have? Well, uh, the Wild haven't selected in the top 10 since 2012, and they took Dumba seventh overall in that draft. And Dumba's a guy that probably won't be on the team much longer. Uh, what they need is scoring, and they can get a talented forward in this draft. I think that's exactly what they're getting um, in Alexander Holtz. Um, in terms of shutdown defense, they have Jonas Brodin locked up. They also have Jared Spurgeon Ryan Seuer say what you will about his contract. He's still a pretty good, decent defenseman for them. So they're all set defensively. They need offense. Um, on the right side, they have Kevin Fiala, who's shown some upside. Beyond that, you have a prime Matt Zuccarello. You have Luke Kunin and Ryan Hartman. Yep. And I believe uh, Kirill Kaprizov can play either side of the wing. But other than that, they don't have too many standout guys in their prospect system that can play right wing. And Holtz, like you said, very good goal scorer and uh, seems like a solid option for Minnesota here. So I'm going to go with Alex Holtz. Yep. Um, since the move for Minnesota, like they traded Eric Stahl away. Um, it looks like they're not going to re-sign Miko Koivu. Uh, that means, and they don't really have anyone in their system uh, for center prospects. I know mm -hmm. that um, Luke Kunin does play center. Um, I think uh, Ryan Donato has played center before as well, but I don't think you can truly rely on that um, if if you're like just doing that. So I think and it's determined they have already said Miko Koivu is not coming back. He's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I should have mentioned yeah. that. Um, and so I think that's why they're going with uh, Cole Perfetti, um, just because he's the best center available. Um, and the best player available, too. Um, he, he was really strong uh, this year in the OHL, and um, he can score, and he can uh, playmake as well. And I think that's exactly who the, the Wild need, especially if um, in the future, if Kaprizov um, pans out, he can be, like, the center for him uh, eventually. Um, I, I don't think he's ready yet, but um, he might take another year, but I think um, eventually Perfetti and Kaprizov will probably be on the same line um, and and probably be on the first line uh, together. So I can I can see that happening. Um, and then lastly, we're going with Winnipeg. Uh, so let's go to uh, uh, Steve here for uh, who's Winnipeg going to take. So Here's the thing. If Jake Sanderson's available, I think they'll take him. In my draft, he is not because I already had him going to Buffalo. Yep. They are looking to trade Patrick Line, apparently. And they will likely need a decent hole to fill the left wing side. My hope is Lucas Raymond can fill that void. You have mm -hmm. Kyle Connor on the left side already that will that will at the moment likely occupy the top line minutes. Had a great season this year. Lucas could be a solid number two option for Winnipeg at left wing. Um, Sanderson might be an option for them, like I said, if he's there. 
but I would go for a solid option on the wing, then address the defensive scenarios uh, through a potential Patrick Laine trade or whoever else they decide to dangle. But I think Lucas Raymond would be a very good fit for the Jets. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. I, like assuming Line A uh, is picked so or is traded. Um, yeah, we'll see. Although I think Line A plays more on the right side, but I think uh, Lucas Raymond can play both right wing and left wing. So um, either way, it's uh, it it could be a good replacement for him if if that happens. Uh, Victor, who do you have? This is where I have Jake Sanderson, but I definitely think uh, agree with Steve. If, if Lucas Raymond is there at ten, what a freaking steal! Yeah. That would be amazing. Um, I, since I have him third overall, so yeah, I definitely not on the train of trade lining. Uh, that seems crazy, but uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, in my talks of Winnipeg, I would say you know someone like Eagles might be a better fit to move. But they definitely need to do something, and they need defense. They do have a few really good defensive prospects, with Heinola, Leon Gavanke, and Sammy Nuku. Um, but I still think they take Sanderson here because uh, their pro defense is not good, aside from Pionk and Morrissey. So they, they need some help, and assuming they don't resign um, DeMello, which they should. But, and uh, just overall defense as well, because yeah. like Dustin Bufflin brought size. Um, he Jacob could lower Trudeau. the boom. He's a, just an absolute hitting machine. They need that type of defense, not offensive defense. They need real defense. Yeah. Um, right. Right. That's that's a good first. Uh, for this pick, I kind of had a, I I had a I was picking between two guys, and I wasn't necessarily sure of which one. Uh, Jake Sanderson, because of all the reasons that Victor just said, they desperately need defense, especially the year that they just had without um, without a Truba, Bufflin, and um, Tyler Myers. But um, at the same time, I'm not sure if Jake Sanderson's ready right away. So that is a, a that might be an issue. And if they do draft him, they that's something that they have to consider. Like. Do they just send him to college, or do they like put him in the league right away because they desperately need defensemen? Um, and the other option I was thinking was uh, Anton Lundell. Um, I, apparently, he's a big time two way forward, and um, this is assuming that they keep Line A, but they've been looking for a two way uh, center for a long time now, um, and if and they've had the best winger core forever and it's pretty much the only center that they have that's pretty good is uh, Mark Shifley and no offense to Brian Little or uh, Cody Egan but they're, they're not as um, it's not as great but um, <laughs> uh, and also Lundell is a Finnish person and I think Winnipeg just loves Finns because they drafted a line Hanola last year um, there's another one, I think. Uh, Besseline. Even though they may or may not be trading Patrick Line, they yeah, love yeah. their Finnish players. They do love. They do love drafting their Finnish players, and I think that's Besseline. is another one, yeah. So they've, they and Timo Solani, of course, um, as well. So um, I, I think they might go with Lundell, even though they do need um, a defenseman as well. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if they go as a center, because um, that could also be a, a big need for them as well. Um, all right. Uh, so now we get to the portion where 
uh, people in uh, me and Victor's fantasy league are going to be really interested in. But <laughs> um, uh, so we have I have two questions here uh, just to talk about everyone else who uh, who could be drafted here. Um, so who is being overhyped in this draft and will end up being a bust? Uh, let's go with. Uh, damn, I forgot the order. I think Steve is. It's it's your turn, right? Um, I th- I think I started off at uh, at ten, so I think it might be Victor. Oh here. yeah, you're right. Sorry, <laughs> Victor. I apologize. It's a long. I had a feeling that was gonna happen. At some I, point I knew it, I knew it was gonna happen too. <laughs> Victor. Frankly, I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it should have probably. Anyways, Victor, who do you, who do you have? All right, I got a couple guys. Uh, there are a few, but we didn't want to go on forever. But I think the yeah. two. Uh, one is Sam Colangelo, who's a big right-wing uh, American, uh, high-skill, power forward. I actually have him, an uh, article I did for the Hockey Writers, top, top five underrated Americans. I think he is a little underrated, but there is huge question marks around his skating. Uh, it's, it's awkward. It's not powerful. Um, once he gets going, he's okay. He's certainly good in the corners. He's big and physical, but he's out muscling USHL competition, and so most of those guys are not as developed or smaller. So. Can that translate? Can he even keep up with the NHL speed? There are big question marks about that. And so I think uh, he's one who could absolutely bust out after being being a bust, I mean, after being a first-round pick. So I worry about him. I think if he can fix his skating, he could be a top top six uh, winger, but he also could not be in the NHL. So that's a pretty big range for him. And the other one is William Wallinder, who's a great Swedish uh, skating, puck-moving defenseman. He's a great skater. He's big. Um, but the thing is, I, I fully believe that he is this year's um, Broberg, Philip Broberg, in that he makes the same mistakes over and over again. He makes poor decisions with the puck. He kind of skates himself in the corners. Uh, he doesn't problem-solve very well. So I just think his, his hockey IQ is not great, and he's going to get drafted probably in the first round. Uh, for all his physical tools and get get uh, chances over and over again and just disappoint over and over again. Yeah, uh, that's that's not a bad choice uh, for those guys. I can I can see the the flaws in there, uh, for sure. Uh, Steve, who who do you think is going to be is over and will end up being a bust? I don't know if it's overhyped, but I think uh, could be a bust. I like his offensive upside, but your defense you're going to be a, a question mark that Wait, might get sorry, in his who way. Did, who did you I, say it was? I think there's a chance. He, sorry? Who did you say? I think my, uh, my uh, thing just got cut off here. Who did you say? Oh, sorry. Um, I said um, I don't know if it's a case of he's being overhyped, but I think Noel Gunler okay. ended up being a bust. I like his offense. The upside is there, but defense has been a question mark from what I'm hearing that could get in his way, and I think it could interfere with him achieving his full potential. So I would say Noel Gunler. Yeah, that's that's I fully I fully agree with that. I, I think that if anyone that's going to go in the top, you know, fifteen, he may go as high in the top 15, as high as top fifteen, or he may go later. But it's it's yeah, it's not even his defense; it's his play away from the puck. It's just complete ability to disappear for games at a time and be a non-factor i mean the effort level is just there on the other hand he couldn't have being this year's arthur kelly who had commitment and you know compete issues and then just terrorize the ohl 
this season. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think there are more question marks with Gunler, but the offensive upside is certainly there. So he's definitely one of like on my personal like like for a fantasy draft, he would he would be up there because you can you can take a swing and if it doesn't work out, who cares? But as an NHL team, I would have him on my do not draft list, quite honestly. Okay. Um, so when I look at all these like little mock drafts and just doing my own uh, preparations for this, I keep on seeing uh, Braden Schneider in like the top, you know, in the teens and stuff. And um, when I was looking at his stats and when I was looking at just scouting reports, it, it makes it seem like there's some questions on his uh, defensive ability for a defenseman and um, or just his offense as well. So. Um, I'm not too sure if he's going to be, um, like, the guy that they compare to, although I guess he's more of, like, a shutdown guy than um, a pure offensive defenseman. But um, I, I don't know if that's something you want to take a swing on if you're a team that has a pick in the teens. But um, I don't know, maybe it's, it, it reminds me of, like, the Philip Broberg of the last year, kind of. That seems to be the the pick last year, so um, we'll see. Um, okay, uh, who is being underhyped, Steve? <laughs> um, I think Seth Jarvis could be a steal, even though I think he could be like a mid to late selection in the first round. I think he could deliver offensively in ways that a top ten selection could. And I think whoever drafts him is going to be very ecstatic at the end of the day. So I would go with Seth Jarvis. That's not a bad pick. Um, uh, Victor. Uh, I have three. Should I just say yep. what I'm thinking? Go, go ahead, yeah. <laughs> hey, you I can have... say all three. I got time. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a couple as well, so <laughs> don't worry. Okay. Um, uh, just, just to back up a sec on the point of Schneider, I, I, don't, I don't think he has the – uh, hockey IQ question marks of Broberg. I think, but I think he is a really just a shutdown, not not really offensive. So, but that's an interesting one. Right. Um, yep. The three, the three underhyped that I have. One of them is Jarvis. I fully agree, Steve. He is. I mean, the, the real question with him is: was his first thirty-two games the real Seth Jarvis, or the or the the first twenty-six games, or the what am I trying to say? The first 32 games where he had 35 points or the final 26 games when he had 63 points, almost, you know, triple. Uh, I, I feel like it's the latter. I think he evolved. I think he got more comfortable. He's a really confident player who takes high risks, but usually in ways that doesn't hurt his team uh, in the offensive zone where he can mitigate that risk. He's got a great shot. He's very agile. Uh, he's He's... A guy I think that could end up we could end up looking back and say how did this guy go 18th or 20th overall or you know wherever he goes because he could end up being one of the top 10 best offensive wingers in this class the Portland Winterhawks also know how to develop good talent as well yeah yeah they're good they're a good WHL franchise for sure um so that's I have a Canadian a Russian and and an American so that's my Canadian. Uh, the Russian I have is Alexander Passion. I'm not oh, sure wow. how much you guys have heard about him, but he is extremely undersized at five foot seven. Uh, but he's a fantastic skater with good stick handling. He's very creative, strong motor. He doesn't really um, have as many defensive liabilities as some of the offensive players in this draft. The big, the big problem with him is that, uh, as you would imagine, he gets sort of dominated physically and he shies away from that. So. He's going to have to get stronger 
and more physical. Um, so unlike Rossi, who doesn't shy away and doesn't get pushed around, he does. And so that's a big question mark. But if he can get over that, he could end up being really high. And then the American is Brendan Brisson, yeah. who's the son of Pat Brisson, uh, and uh, he's actually an agent now. Um, and he's a he's a he played for the Chicago Steel, where Colangelo Brisson and Sean Farrell all did really well. And so there's some question of whether they were just great together um, or whether they really are independently as good. I think that Brisson is 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 the real deal. He's got great vision great speed, he can process the game really quickly, and he's got a really good shot. And he's also a good two-way player. He's not just an all-offense guy. So I think that he can for sure be um, be an impact player. And so, you know, I don't know where he's going to go. He could end up going, you know, relatively early in the first round. And so at that point, he's not really underrated. But if he slips into the second or into the first, I think that uh, he probably will end up being uh, – he could end up being uh, looked at as steal in that sense. Um, so I have two guys here. Um, one is Jan Mysak. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, I believe it's, uh, Jan Mishak. Okay, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Mishak. <laughs> of course. Um, I mispronounced my own guy. He played for the OHL Hamilton Bulldog yeah. and his teammates with Arthur Kaliev. Well, that's what I was just getting into. It's like, I, I see that he, he went to the Czech League he didn't necessarily uh, flourish there where he had nine points in 26 games. Um, but then he goes to the OHL, though, in the same year, and yep. he, he does really well. He has 25 points in 22 games, and, um, you know, he even plays a bit in the World Juniors, and he does well there, too. And um, I guess it's it's just, like, people just haven't seen a ton of his play, and to be fair, I, I just from evidence of mispronouncing his name, uh, that <laughs> might have something to do with it, just because everyone, you know, may not have seen him play. So I think that's why he's down in the list. But um, I feel like he has the potential to actually um, a, be a pretty good pro once he gets settled in um, in the NHL. And then lastly, my other one is uh, Dylan Holloway. Um, I as uh, I'm 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 a college hockey guy, um, and I just find it impressive that he like even though Wisconsin kind of struggled, um, and they did have Cole, Cole Caulfield and Alex Turcotte on their team as well, so you didn't get to see a ton of what Dylan Holloway is capable of. But at the same time, he uh, he had 17 points in 35 games, and uh, from everything that I've read, it doesn't seem like there's too much. Um, like there's not a ton of negatives to his game, but um, I I can see it. Like I think there is something to just playing at the NCAA level uh, that you don't often see in a, a lot of these drafted prospects already. So it's like he's playing with a bunch of players that are already older than him, and um, he's doing decently enough in in that in that league. So I think uh, those are my two guys that I have here. Um, and then lastly, so that's done with the draft. I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts that you want to share, but I think we did a pretty good job of covering the draft. Um, yeah, I echo everyone's sentiment. I, I think those are um, some good names uh, to keep an eye out yeah. for. Um, and the, the next couple of days are going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Victor? No? <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, I could talk for hours about the draft on that point. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We can we can get going. Uh, yeah, I would be interested, Victor, to see your list and and see how many of um, how many of your predictions end up uh, becoming reality because you seem to know um, certainly a lot more about me than this year's draft class. So it, it'd be interesting to see where everything falls into place, but. I'm I'm also interested to see how much positional need factors into a lot of these picks as well. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Definitely. Um, all right, now we go to just briefly about the free agency is also going to be this week too. So we're going to just yep. do, just going to do a small little uh, preview here. It's just just basically our predictions here. So what do we think is going to happen when free agency opens? Um, also to keep in mind, uh, Robin Leonard, he also, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to test free agency. He re-signed with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, five years for 5 million, uh, per, it's kind of interesting because he was already making 5 million. I guess he just wanted a team that he can be on for long-term. Also, it also be noted that was the same offer that apparently Robin Leonard said he hadn't signed in the middle of the conference finals. I know, it's a little suspicious, you're right. So, um, I don't know who dropped the ball there, but yeah. well, that's pretty interesting. It is interesting, and it also probably means that Flowers is on the move, yep. um, and mm-hmm. we'll see where he goes. Um, so, Victor, who, what, what do we think is going to happen when the free agency opens? We can just be general here. <laughs> Well, it seems like usually one big signing kind of dictates the, what happens for the rest. And so I think it's going to be really interesting, especially Taylor Hall and Alex Petrangelo, I think are two of the bigger ones. Of course, Krug is there too. There's been a lot of drama in St. Louis about, you know, St. Louis offering him this sort of uh, shadow deal where they didn't have all the terms disclosed and he's going to test free agency. And then there's public outcry about losing our captain and, so I think that's going to be really interesting to see what happens. If he gets some legit offers, I think because of the flat cap, there's some suitors that may not be able to do what they want to do to acquire him and give him the term and the money that he wants. So I think that is one of the things that's going to set the tone. Um, and I kind of feel like he might just end up going back to St. Louis after a bunch of drama. We'll see. Um, but yeah. It would also be, you know, it's good for him, I guess, if he got a big uh, package. But he has four kids under the age of like, three. He had triplets and then another uh, oh, right. from St. Louis. So I don't, I don't know. And, an- and another was here. born only like a couple weeks ago too. Oh wow! I think that's the fourth one. I think yeah. 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 So I, I think, I think that he's going to set the defensive market, and I think Taylor Hall is going to set the forward market. Uh, I, I think Hall is going to the abs. We'll see if that actually happens. They have the space. They have obviously a good team. He said he wants to go win. Uh, and I think that there's no better team that has the cap space than the apps to make that happen. So I think those are kind of two of my bigger ones. Uh, and uh, we could talk about goalies, but maybe I'll let Steve uh, speak on Yeah, you can go. <laughs> All right. Um... I think the damage has been done. Alex Petrangelo's good is gone. He is not coming back to St. Louis. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of teams in play. Um, if I had to pick three, Toronto, Vegas, and the Rangers. Um, I feel safe assuming that the Rangers are going to be in it right to the very end. I mean, the Mark Stahl trade, all they ask for is future considerations, and then they buy out King Henrik. I'm just thinking they're up to something. 
And I think they're going to make a serious pitch and go all in on Petrangelo because I think all around defense, um, the leadership that he provides, if they didn't have Panarin, it'd be a different story. But this Rangers rebuild has been interesting. I'm all here for it. And them getting Petrangelo wouldn't be much of a surprise. So I think Petrangelo to the Rangers is my best bet. Um, I think, like um, Victor mentioned, Colorado and Taylor Hall seem like a match made in heaven, especially when you consider now that apparently Taylor Hall is willing to sign whatever contract. If it's one or two years, it doesn't matter. So he's open to anything, and I think that makes it easier for Colorado to sign on the dotted line. But I think they were going to get him regardless of what happened. Um, I think Tory Crew could be a Red Wing, um, just because Steve Eisman has a plan, and I think he would be willing to trust that plan, even if it meant a couple of years of losing. Uh, Tory Krug is going to get his money, and I think uh, Detroit uh, could offer that. Um, I think Anton Hudobin could join Leonard in Vegas, uh, which obviously Ooh. means that Flurry is gone. I just hope they tell Flurry before they get Hudobin. So they don't stiff arm him again behind the scenes. Um, I think that whole relationship with Vegas has just been kiboshed, and there's no turning back from that. And Flurry doesn't deserve any more backstabbing and disappointment. Um, I think it'd be better for him to just get out of there um, because yep. he's just he's he's just been betrayed one too many times there. Um, I think Colby is going to be overpaid by an NHL team. My guess is Chicago, um, maybe Vancouver, but I think Chicago is probably my best bet there. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, I think, is either going to stay with Vancouver or sign with the Hurricanes if he doesn't stay. And um, in terms of potential big trades, Freddie Anderson will be dealt to a Stanley Cup contender, but I don't think he's back with the Leafs. Uh, implying that the the Leafs aren't a Stanley Cup contender, I, I like that. Oh, until they get defense, they're not. No, they're not a legit Stanley Cup contender. No, I think, um, depending that. on what Carolina does in free agency, um, they could be in on Freddie Anderson. No, it's just funny the way that you phrased that. But yeah, <laughs> um, uh, Victor. Oh, sorry. I guess I should should say my my predictions here. Um, yeah, I I as. Even though I want Tory Krug to stay, I, I don't think it's going to happen, especially if he's asking for $8 million or $9 million. I'm not sure if he's worth that much, so it might be a blessing in disguise. Um, but I'll root for him, whoever he goes to, as long as it's not Montreal or Toronto. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, the rumors are that I think he's going to Detroit, um, so, so maybe that's, that's a possible landing spot for him. Um, I will say, though, that I think Winnipeg will get either one of Petrangelo or Crew, one of the two, because mm-hmm. uh, they're desperately in need of defensemen. And like I mentioned in that draft, they they should, they need a, a defenseman that can help them right away. So um, I That think would they'll... just be a shot to the gut for the Blues that he would go to a division rival on yeah. top of just St. Louis. But like I think if if the Jets don't take Petrangelo, then they're gonna try really hard to get Krug. So Yeah, um, I think Petrangelo would probably so, be the wiser pick there yeah. if, if they can get it. Um as for Taylor Hall, I can definitely see him going to Colorado. I hope the Bruins sign him. That'll be uh ideally what I want them to do. But I don't think that will happen because he's asking for a lot of money and um I don't think they're gonna 
be able to do that, but we'll see. Um, I think Blackton's more likely to get Ekman Larson in a trade with the Coyotes. Yeah, I know that's that's the rumor. Right. Ekman Larson probably wants to go to Boston. Right. He uh, he only wants two teams, but we'll talk about the Bruins in a second. Um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the yeah. So I hope that Taylor Hall goes there, but uh, yeah, the rumor, the latest rumor is he's going to Colorado, which makes sense. They do. I mean, they do have Mika Rantanen, Landis Gog. Uh, Burakovsky had a breakout year, and uh, you know Nazem Kadri is also there too. But um, I, I Taylor Hall would definitely help them, and they have the room to do it. So um, I think yeah. that would be a big help for them. Um, and um, as for goalies, um, yeah, I think I think Markstrom will actually stay in Vancouver. Um, so I can see that happening. It's an interesting thing that you said that. Kudobin is going like going to Vegas. I, I think he'll probably go to like Chicago, um, so he can have more of a starting role. Um, I could see that going on, um, and then um, yeah, I don't know where Holtby will go. I feel like um, he'll definitely be overpaid. Um, it's kind of reminds me of a Bobrovsky situation last year, where some team's gonna pay him. A big amount of money just because and because Bobrovsky was overpaid last year. Uh, Hopi has a cup um, and a Vezina under his belt as well, so um, so that they're going to be paying for what he did in the past versus what he's going to be doing in the future. The only thing is is that now that the cap is flat, I'm not sure if he's going to get it right away, but maybe a team will be desperate um, to take it. Um, and yeah, so I can see that going on as well. So, uh, Victor, what are uh, going back to goalies? Uh, what do you say? Yeah, I feel like um, Holpe needs to go to a team that can protect him better because yep. uh, I think we saw clearly that when he doesn't have the system in front of him, that he struggles. And I think he can still be a decent goalie, but. The Capitals were not giving him the protection that they did after Trotz and his system left. So if I were him, I, you know, maybe uh, if, if uh, well, I don't know that Tampa would want him because they have McElhaney, but someone like that or Dallas, you know, if they don't bring back Udobin. Um, Carolina, maybe. Yeah, Carolina is a pretty good at, the, at the protecting their goalie. So, you know, he should not go to a team like Winnipeg or, you know, Toronto. Someone like this is going to expose him because it'll, it'll just continue to look terrible. Um, I think I agree with you, Steve. Markstrom and Brett. Markstrom should stay, but if he doesn't, I, I, I like Carolina. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I kind of feel like even though I think Markstrom should stay, it also makes sense for them because even though they overachieved this year, I don't think they're really quite in their window right now, and Markstrom is fully – you know, great goaltender right now. So yeah. I feel like Demko's, you know, showed that he can be great. And I think that they need that gap space to address other issues. And it might make more sense to just let him walk and, um, you know, use that money elsewhere, as, as sad as that is. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I think in terms of the, the goalies. And I think that, that Hank will go to Washington. I think that makes a lot of sense for him yeah. being on a decent team, being not too far from the city. And, um, or I guess New Jersey, but they're not quite in that window yet. <laughs> yeah. 
the, the reason yeah. I picked Hudobin to Vegas is because Marc Andre Fleury is one of those personalities that I think is just like easy to get along with, and part of the reason why people love Hudobin in Dallas is because he is a great teammate that just lightens the mood a little bit. And I think if you're gonna let a guy like Fleury go to another team via trade, you need to bring in, if you can, a goaltender with a similar personality. And that's why I think Udovin could be a solid 1B goaltender behind Leonard, get some decent playing time, and then you have that camaraderie still with the team um, in the form of Udovin. So that's why I picked him to Vegas. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I can see that. I guess. Um, as for Lundqvist, I feel like he does want to go to a contender, but everything he's said so far in his career has led me to, like he just wants to stay in New York, and and that was a big reason why he removed his no movement clause. Um, so I think he's going to probably stay in the Atlantic Division. Um, I was going to say Philadelphia, but I think Philadelphia just locked up Ryan Elliott for. Yeah, they gave they gave him another year. Yep. And um, so so yeah, I agree with Victor. I think he's going to Washington, New Jersey is an, also an interesting option, although they're a little bit a couple of years away. So he probably wants to go to a contender that's um, even closer than them. So uh, so Washington would be would fit that bill. Um, also, maybe uh, Pittsburgh, uh, once they trade Matt Murray, um, and that's also because Tristan Jari is, you know, was signed up and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. so I think they'll, they'll trade Matt Murray and uh, bring in Lundquist to help the young uh, Tristan Jari there. And, um, and Pittsburgh's pretty close to New York, so he, he doesn't really need to travel so far. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how Rangers fans react if, if he does go to a, a divisional team. Um, Can you imagine he goes to a divisional team and he wins the Stanley Cup with I that team? <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> he does, that, he yeah. gets all of his success in New York except that Stanley Cup, and the yeah. second he leaves, he wins. Yeah, it would be kind of fitting, too, if because like the Rangers fans always uh, taunt Islanders fans with the pot fin stuff and like they, they don't have it's just like a weird karma thing I guess um, that they're making fun of goalies that are um, in their division uh, so um, yeah okay now we go to our Homer segment here <laughs> where we, we're gonna talk about what our teams are gonna do um, in our uh, in the off season um, and it's, it's interesting that we picked you here Victor because the Bruins are about like one or two pieces away from uh, going to the cup. The Sens are rebuilding. It's equally as important as the Bruins, but in the reverse way. And then the Sharks are kind of like a mixture of the two where they could be rebuilding and they could be contending as well. So, um, so yeah, but since I've gone last for the entire time this episode, I'm going to go first here and talk about my Bruins. Um, I hope, I I mean, as I mentioned before, I hope, I would love it if uh, Tory Krug stays, but I don't think that's going to happen just for, based off of everything that's been going on. I guess the trade for his rights hasn't happened yet. Um, it may not actually happen at all, so we'll see. Um, I'm okay with OEL. The only thing, though, is that he's making $8 million 
a year for like six more years and I'm not sure he he was good at the beginning of his career but he's kind of dropped off lately so I'm not sure if he's worth it that much so I'd be okay with the trade as long as the Coyotes retain a portion of that contract um maybe like six million per year I think I can handle that but um it, it would be a weird thing and apparently the Coyotes are looking for a t uh, Ryan O'Reilly type trade with OEL and OEL only wants to go to Vancouver and Boston um those are his only teams on his no trade list and um and I and I think Arizona likes uh Boston's prospects more so um, it looks like there's it's but like uh, Vancouver needs him more I guess so that's that's where it's at in, in that situation um, I just hope they don't trade uh, Jack Stanica. Um every other prospect I'm, I'd be okay with trading but um, I feel like that's the only one that I, I'd be truly upset if they do trade him but it, it might actually happen um, as for free agents though um, I don't know. I think uh, they do need a defenseman, so they need to address that. I've been saying Sammy Vatanen for a while, but although he is a right-handed defenseman, I'm not sure if that's going to help them a ton. Um, but maybe they try to do that. I do like Charlie McAvoy, and I do believe that he can be like the power play guy that Tory Krug had, but um, I, I wouldn't necessarily mind a um, another like you know an insurance guy just in case McAvoy doesn't become that guy. Um, just sign Mark Borowiecki. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like I don't like think we're gonna his, do that. His no. offensive numbers they, they weren't bad this year. No, no, dude, we're not doing that. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm just gonna stop you right there. I don't want Sweeney <laughs> to get any ideas. We're not doing that. Um, so. Um, uh, in terms of, we do need to address the winging situation because it's pretty much Pasternak um, and Marshawn. DeBrusque is a bit inconsistent, um, so um, I guess there's trade rumors for him. There's also trade rumors for Tuka Rask, which I don't understand, but that might end up happening, which is, which I, I'd be livid. Um, so there's that. But um, up front, I would be okay with like Mike Hoffman. Um, Taylor Hall, of course, uh, that's the ultimate, especially if it's like a I don't know if job. Mike Hoffman's the answer, bro. I really don't. Be. I don't know. It could be. He he didn't actually have that bad of a season, but um, Mike Hoffman, Taylor Hall, um, as I mentioned before, um, and Tyler Toffoli's the other one that I think uh, would be interesting and help out um, David Krejci's wing. Um, and yeah, so, so those are my guys here. Uh, let's go with Steve, for your sins. Well, um, first off, don't do anything stupid. That's one thing. Um, it would be great if Brady Kachuk would get a contract extension, do a little bit, do a bit of uh, proactive planning, just like you did with Thomas Shabbat around this time a year ago. Um, Connor Brown is someone I think they should keep around. Um, Duclair, I would say a 50-50. It's a coin toss right now. Potential to be a key contributor on this team. But on the other hand, and with a good season, maybe you take advantage of that and turn that into future assets. Who knows? Um, so tough to say what happens with Duclair. Uh, kind of bummed they couldn't 
find out a way to keep Borbietsky. Um, is he the best defenseman on the team? Not really. But the dude can hit. He's a great character guy in the locker room, great character guy in the community, the type of leadership that I think a young team needs and I think something they're going to miss. So kind of bummed they couldn't keep him. Craig Anderson leaving the crease is unfortunate, but they gave Nielsen a two-year extension. Then they gave Hogberg a two-year extension. And in the year two of that two-year deal, it's a one-way which means he's got to clear waivers if they send him down to the minors. So right after that, I just said, yeah, Craig Anderson's not coming back after this year. So it was a tough reality that I had already accepted. Then the Bobby Ryan buyout happened, and honestly, I'm just perplexed. Like, Ottawa needs to spend $18 million just to reach the salary cap floor. And I'm just thinking, how much money, if any, is Melnick losing? It was a topic of discussion before the pandemic began. How much money does Melnick have in the bank account? Does he does he have an issue paying players or, or not? Or how much money is he willing to invest? And after this pandemic, that's still not over. I don't imagine the financial picture is any better today than it was like 12 months ago. So how much cash do they have to spend? if they need to spend 18 million just to reach the salary cap floor. I know they have prospects that they think maybe could be of service now, but it's just like, it could have, you could have brought in some young guys and kept Bobby in his salary have on for at least another year, like got two yeah. years left on the deal when you bought him out. It, it's head scratcher to me. Yeah, that's strange. The bigger things I want to see from this team is just progress and confidence. Management has to stick to a plan. They can't decide to be winners one day only to reconsider and rebuild six months later. Stick to the game plan, get better through the draft. If you have to lose now, lose now so you can win later. And when you lose, you better learn from losing because that's the only way you're going to get better as a team. And the good news is I think they have the coaching staff that has what it takes to turn things around. I feel confident in DJ Smith's message. Um, I think it yielded some good results last year. They just need to keep plugging away and uh, trust the process, if you will. What I hope the auto, that Ottawa doesn't do is trade future assets for someone like Matt Murray or Marc-Andre Fleury. They're good goalies and good teammates, I'm sure, but they're not what the Sens need right now. They just need to keep building on the future get some short-term veteran pieces to help them so that when they're ready to win in a couple of years, um, they'll have money to spend what they need to spend. They can afford their core members of the future, uh, which includes their two top five picks this year, and just keep building the right way. Don't take any shortcuts. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, the Bobby Ryan uh, buyout, does not make too much sense, especially since they're trying to reach the cap, but maybe it's they're, they're trying to help him for um, all the time he wants because he, he probably wants True. to go to some other team, but we'll see. Well, things got so bad in Ottawa, he could have left at any given moment. That's a good point. Yeah, but... Which is why I'm just like, okay, why now, right? Right, right, exactly. So um, maybe they're they're helping him out because maybe he expressed that he wanted to leave, but who knows? And and he and he did say that Philly is on his high list of teams, oh. and Philly is close to home, and he's good buddies with Drew by the looks of it as well. So oh, interesting. 
for, for from a personality standpoint, I guess so. But again, there could have been other times where they could have yeah. put this bot in place and they didn't. So. Especially when they were selling all their players. Um, yeah, exactly. Year. Just yeah. thinking, man, if you didn't want out then, like, God yeah, bless you. I know, I know. <laughs> um, so, uh, Victor, what about your Sharks? Well, the thing about the Sharks is that you mentioned they're kind of in this in-between. I, I fully wish that they would do a retool like L.A. and New York did uh, or are doing. But Doug Wilson is... Um, convinced that this team is still in their window to compete, which uh, I know seems crazy considering they finished like third from the bottom. Yep. Um, but a lot of things went wrong. So, you know, maybe, uh, I, I think certainly getting back to a playoff uh, bubble team is not unreasonable, but I just don't know that they're there, but he thinks they are. So there he's going to push to make some moves to, to, you know, basically keep going at this. Um, and, and it sounds like the Dubnik to San Jose with Ryan Donato for a first and a prospect uh, is is uh, pretty close to being done. It sounds like they just need Dubnik to waive his no movement clause, which I know he will because his wife, you know, had had issues and they have kids in school. So I don't know. I hope that doesn't happen, but it sounds like it will. Um, and so, I mean, clearly they need help. Uh, in debt, and, and Martin Jones is not the answer, but I don't love Devin Dubnik, who was, you know, one of the few goalies who was almost as bad as Jones uh, the last uh, year or two, and so that just seems like a bad move to me, but yeah, definitely they need some help. Uh, I think a big question is what are they going to do with Kevin LeBanc? It sure seemed like there was a, a backdoor handshake uh, deal coming, but then he completely disappointed this season, and I think that Wilson has every um, right to point out to his terrible defensive play. I mean, you watch him away from the puck, and I mean, there was countless times where you saw the Sharks getting scored on, and the bank was right behind the player, just not giving enough effort or not back-checking or doing anything that he should have done um, to prevent that. And so that might actually help the Sharks re-sign him for a decent number instead of the four or five million that he looked like he was due last season. Um, so that's a big piece. They definitely need some forwards, especially on the right side. I think there's a couple of interesting options. Bobby Ryan, who you were just talking about, I think is actually a decent option for them after the buyout. If they could get him for a relatively cheap uh, amount, I think he could still play. Um, and I think in a depth role, I don't think there are illusions of him being a top-line uh, right winger, but he certainly still has some potential, especially some of his personal things with him right behind him. Um, I also think that Craig Smith and Marcus Granlin, Nashville Predators, uh, had a bit of a struggle, especially Granlin. Never seemed like he fit in there. And I think that his stock has fallen from his Minnesota days, which is a great opportunity for the Sharks to jump in and get him at a bit of a bargain. I, I still think he has a lot to offer. And Craig Smith is just a great two-way player, which is something they really need. They had a lot of guys that really struggled, and some of their older forwards who used to be decent two-way are not so good anymore like Milker Carlson who used to be that uh, just doesn't seem like he can quite do that anymore he goes over obviously a thousand years old so that's a little bit of a, a struggle but it sounds like he, he probably will come back um I I think Kudobin is a possibility because I didn't I didn't realize this but when I was reading some of the stories apparently um getting to Bakov was his mentor and they are pretty close cool. Uh, both Russia and actually Kazakhstani, uh, but they play in Russia. And, and so that might be an interesting fit. And I think 
Gobin could be a nice uh, uh, backup slash 1D slash the best goalie if he comes, but uh, this whole Dubnik thing is throwing a wrench in that and probably is going to cost too much. So that sounds like it may not work after all, but I think that would be an interesting one. And another now, star... I'm just, um, I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know if this is an option. Do you think Martin Jones' buyout is a possibility? From everything I've heard... And I'm, it's not like I have Doug Wilson's cell phone or anything, but from what I've heard from the team... <laughs> He's from Ottawa, so I, I might know someone who does. Oh. I probably know, but anyway. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of auto connections here. Yeah. Logan Couture uh, is a 67. Yeah. Logan Couture, former 67. Yeah. Never right. forget. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound like the Sharks want to buy out anyone. Um, that's the worry, is that they're not going to use their buyout on anyone. Obviously, if anyone, it would be Jones. But I also hear, you know, and Nabokov just became the goalie coach in December. Didn't really have a whole lot of time to work with them. In fact, that's part of the reason why Dell got so many starts down the stretch. One part is that Dell was playing better than Jones. The other part is that Nabokov really wanted to, to um, help rebuild his form and help with his technique. And so he actually spent a lot of time working with Jones. I think there's a firm belief, and I don't think this is necessarily too outlandish, that Martin Jones can be rebuilt and be a serviceable goalie in this league again. I know that sounds crazy, even as I hear it coming out of my mouth, but <laughs> I, I do think he was not horrible for times. And there's only two or three years ago that he was pretty decent. A lot yeah. of it has to do with, the, if you look, I wrote an article about this, about how you fix the Sharks goaltending, if you want to check it out on Hockey Writers. The biggest thing with the Sharks goalies is that if you look at where all the shots come from in their like hockey viz, uh, if you go to uh, Micah McCurdy's site, uh, hockey viz, all of the high danger chances, all of the all of the chances basically come right in front of the slot. And, yep. and show me a goalie that can stop high danger chances, especially cross slot passes right in front. And that goalie doesn't exist. I mean, maybe Carey Price can do it and, and Hank in his prime every once in a while, but not every single game, several times a game. So I'm not saying Martin Jones is a great goaltender. He, he sort of had a bad rap. I think that, that he definitely was not great, but he was made to look way worse than he should have. And I think that he can come back to being serviceable. I don't think that contract will ever look great. That's way too much to be paying him. I didn't like it at the time. But I think that he could get back to being at least a 1B and a, and a serviceable guy. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I think that they, they definitely need, I think their biggest thing that they need besides goaltending is some depth uh, forwards. Uh, they thought some of their young guys were ready. They clearly were not. Maybe next season they'll be closer to ready. They got a couple guys that are close. But uh, I think that's part of the, the Rocky Thompson hire. You know, they brought back Buchner, and I don't know how much you guys know about Rocky Thompson, but. He's, a, he's apparently a pretty um, well-regarded coach and especially good at developing young, younger players. And he's been coaching in the AHL and the OHL and has had some really good success. And, and I think that that's part of why they really wanted him to come because they have a, a bunch. And even though they don't have some super high-end prospects, aside from Merkley, they have a few guys that I think can make the jump, but they need the right coaching and the right tutelage to really – bring out their strengths and I think Thompson is going to be able to do that so it'll, it'll be a shame to watch yeah it seems like it's going to be a eventful time for all three of our teams um I will say though from the Sharks point of view it's it seemed like all the wheels fell off once Hurdle uh Couture and Carlson all got injured around the same time um yep. so 
I think that's another reason why they felt like they uh, they regressed a bit this season, because uh, those are like three of their key players. Um, and all well, that stuff, Couture so. was at the end, but Hurdle was hurt pretty early. Yeah, good point. And I've made the point that Hurdle is their best player. He's their best two-way player. When he's out there, he controls shot share. Yeah. Um, Couture is a little bit older, and I think that he's slipping a little bit, especially with his two-way game. Uh, and Carlson just hasn't been right for a couple of years. He finally just came out with a statement saying he's 100% healthy. I don't think that's been the case for years, even dating back to Ottawa. So yeah. I think he can be a different player. I think it was really Hurdle and Carlson, but Hurdle got hurt first, and I think things really went off the rails, especially after the firing. And, you know, Bugner never really had a chance to to develop the team and coach them the way he wanted to. He had to deal with the assistants that were in place. So I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic in that he got to he's going to start the season with his guys. He brought in new assistants, John Madden and Rocky Thompson, new yep. development and goalie coaches. So he's going to be able to implement a new system. And if you look at his the advanced metrics, their their uh, Corsi percent, expected goals, all of those things per 60 were better than under DeBoer with a, arguably a worse roster because uh, some guys were injured. So I think there's room to be a little bit optimistic, but I, I don't agree with the Wilson's assessment that they're just a few pieces away from the Stanley Cup. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I, I don't know if they are, but I, I think it's, it is evident that you need a healthy Eric Carlson, which I, even though he's on, he's going to be on a nine-month uh, rest, um, which is pretty good at the very least um, if it starts in, you know, if the season starts up in January. But um, but I feel like you need that in order to, to be a Stanley Cup contender. And, of course, you need Martin Jones to be a, at least an average goaltender. Um, and he hasn't been that. That's all you need. That's yeah, all you need. That's all you need. That's true. <laughs> um, all right. That, that about does it for us here. Uh, thanks once again for... Uh, Victor, I don't know if you have any closing words before we do our closing words, um, but yeah, thanks for for doing this and providing a lot of knowledge to uh, to this podcast here. Um, we really really appreciate it. Yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for having me. It was super fun. I love talking hockey, and uh, you guys really enjoy the podcast, especially your prospect series. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. That really filled a lot of great time during the pandemic. It was great to listen to. Yeah, it was uh, fun so. to record. <laughs> so. Oh yes. Yeah, keep up the great work. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome back anytime, Victor. We of really, course. we really appreciated this, and it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a lot of fun, and and we also appreciate you taking two hours of your Sunday. <laughs> um, you know, you get really busy with kids and and a lot of jobs, so um, we do appreciate that. Um, all right, uh, so you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Um, and our Facebook is Lace Em Up. Our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Uh, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 240, where we will have draft reaction and free agency reaction on the Lace Em Up Podcast.